السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسائد دروس شريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد In the 13th juz of the Quran, the 13th surah, the 43rd verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَسْتَ مُرْسَلًا O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the disbelievers, they deny your prophethood. They refute you and they say that you are not a prophet. Open denial, refutation of the prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. How does Allah respond to this? Allah responds by saying, Qul kafa billahi shahidan bayni wa baynakum wa man indahu ilmul kitab. Now to answer this refutation, of people saying, Oh Muhammad, you're not a prophet. We don't believe in your prophethood. We don't believe that you received divine revelation from Allah. We don't believe Allah sent you. Allah gave two answers to this, two proofs, two evidence we have in the Quran to prove the messengership of the Prophet How many? Two. The first one. The first one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Muhammad tell them, Tell them the first answer is Allah is sufficient as a testimony and a witness for me. Between both of us, you're denying my prophethood. I am establishing my prophethood. Well, the first answer is Allah enough is enough for me. If you are truthful, if you are honest in your dealings, if you are doing the right thing, you don't need the testimonies of the people. You don't need validation. You don't need verification from some. If you're doing the right thing, then you're not concerned about people validating you or not. You don't need people to praise you. That's not needed. Yes, as long as you're doing the right thing, your behavior is correct and you're doing the right thing. The Prophet ﷺ is being told, Innaka lamin al mursaleen. Yaseen. Oh surely you're a prophet. So number one, you don't need anybody else's compliments. You don't need anybody else's validation. You don't need anybody else's praise. You are definitely a prophet. However, the scholars have mentioned, what does it mean? Some scholars of tafsir have mentioned, how, would, how is Allah a testimony and an evidence for the prophethood of the Prophet The answer the scholars of tafsir have given is that the fact that Allah allows certain supernatural actions to happen at the hands of the Prophet which we call miracles, mu'jizat, this is shahidan bayni wa baynakum. This is Allah's approval 
to continuously, and this happened from the beginning of prophethood till the end of prophethood. Continuously, Allah is proving something that nobody can do. Only the Prophet is doing and Allah is making that happen. That is Allah's approval constantly that he is definitely a prophet. And there are so many instances. I give you one example. After the battle of Hunayn, so this is after the Fath uh, of Makkatul Mukarrama, and we're coming to the end of the life of the Prophet Later on, we find that there was an incident that on this occasion, the Muslims, they gained a lot of war booty. A lot of wealth came into, into the possession of the Muslims, Ghanima, a, a large amount of money. And in Hawazin, this is particularly in the, at the time of Hawazin, the Prophet wasallam, after the spoils of Hawazin, he started to distribute very freely. So the spoils of war have come, large amount of treasures, of money, of wealth, of gold. Muslims have come into possession of, and he's freely distributing here for you, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. There was a non-Muslim by the name of Safwan bin Umayyah. He was monitoring and observing very closely the behavior of the Prophet when a large amount of money came and wealth came, war booty came, and he's distributing it freely and he's giving out and he's marveling. Wow, like other people that keep it for themselves. Okay, they just bank it or something. They wouldn't give it out. And he was freely distributing it all. The Prophet noticed that Safwan bin Umayyah is looking very carefully. And by this time, Safwan bin Umayyah had softened slightly. He wasn't as hostile towards Islam and the Muslims as he used to be, but he was still an unbeliever. So the Prophet said, Safwan, this is Abu Wahab, he called him Abu Wahab. Do you like what you see? All this wealth, you like it? He says, yes, O Prophet, O, o, o Muhammad, yes. The Prophet wasallam said, Safwan, do you know this valley? There's a hundred camels in this valley. Take them, they're yours. He said, what, really? He said, yeah, these hundred camels, they're yours, take them. He said, no, you're not serious, are you? He says, yes, there's a hundred, in this valley, if you count, there's a hundred camels. Safwan, these hundred camels are yours. Immediately, Safwan came to the Prophet ﷺ. Remember, he's a disbeliever. And he says, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. This character can only be displayed by a prophet, nobody else. Nobody, you can get, no matter how good of a human you are, to display character like this with one of the disbelievers who's an, an opponent at that time. And to display such high level of character, this can only be done by a prophet. Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. Give me your hand, I want to accept your religion, and I am now a Muslim. So this is one of the ways how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The disbelievers are saying, you are not a prophet. Number one, tell them Allah is my proof. How is he a proof? By making such occurrences happen at the hand of the Prophet which were supernatural, only happened with him, and this continued to the end of his life. Number one. What about number two? Quran then says, Now this is the interesting part. And this is the focus of our talk today. 
The second proof, the second testimony, the second evidence Allah mentions in the Quran of the truthfulness of the prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is what is it? It's the people with knowledge of the divine scriptures, meaning the Torah and Injil. The Ahlul Kitab. Allah is saying the second proof of the prophethood of the Prophet وسلم, is the Ahlul Kitab. Ilmul Kitab. How does that raise any questions? Does that raise any questions? How often have you heard the Ahlul Kitab, rabbis, priests, how often do you hear them saying that Muhammad is the true prophet? He's the final prophet. Islam is a true religion. How, how often have you heard this? Do we hear it all the time? Very rarely do we hear this, right? So you might be thinking, how is this a proof to prove the prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? And Allah has mentioned this in the Quran. Scholars of Tafsir say this refers to the Ahlul Kitab. However, what we need to understand over here is who, and, and remember, in the books of the previous people, our Prophet wasn't just mentioned. He wasn't just described. Look at the words of the Quran. Allah says they found Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam maktuban written very clearly by name, description and everything in the Torah. The Quran tells us this. It wasn't just a reference and they have to work it out. Oh, somebody's going to come. No. So much so that if they were to see him, they would know 100% that's him. Without a doubt. They would recognize him just like you would recognize your own children. Quran says, Not even madhkuran. Quran doesn't say he was mentioned. They find him, meaning they find Muhammad in the Torah. Muhammad is in the Torah, written, maktuban, very clearly, Quran says. Now, and now the Quran is saying two proofs to prove the prophethood of the Prophet One of them is, Those people who have the knowledge of the previous divine scriptures. But like I said, we rarely hear a rabbi or a priest who is knowledgeable with their scriptures to come out today and say, yes, you know, I, 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 in all honesty, Muhammad is the last prophet. Islam is a true religion. So what does it mean? It means those scholars of Ahlul Kitab, those scholars of the Torah and the Bible who do not have bias, who do not have bias, do we understand? There were certain individuals who didn't have bias. And you need a lot of courage for this. Inside, you need to be very strong to do this. As a rabbi or a priest, Allah is saying, for a rabbi or a priest to say that up until now, it was the Bani Israel 
but now it's the Bani Ismail. We are no longer the chosen people, now it's time for the Muslims. There were some of the Ahlul Kitab who came out and spoke. And today as well, there are some who will agree and accept. We had some amongst the rabbis, Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who accepted Islam. Because he said now, it's no longer Bani Israel, now it's Bani Ismail. Similarly, we had Najashi who accepted Islam. Prior to that, he was a staunch Christian and he accepted Islam. So, The key thing here is, those scholars of Ahlul Kitab who do not have bias, and you need a lot of courage for this, because when you have bias, when you have favoritism, it affects your decisions negatively. When somebody has favoritism, when you're put in a situation and you need to choose, and this applies to everybody, apply to our scholars of Islam. If the scholars of Islam are able to have courage, not have bias, then they will say, even though they might disagree with another scholar, but they will say, no, he's doing good work. That organization is good. This element is brilliant. Many a times we invite somebody to arbitrate in a marriage, an elder from the community or the family. But unfortunately, if that elder person, experienced person, learned person, scholarly person is biased, he's taking one side. Instead, you might as well call a young person. Because if this elderly has the experience, but he has bias, there will be favoritism. There will be discrimination. There will be prejudice. And then there will be a negative result in the discussion. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. So to be able to accept the merit of other people, you might not see eye to eye, but speak the truth. Have the courage to give credit where credit is due. Allah is praising in the Quran, Ahlul Kitab, who are not Muslim, because some of them, some of them don't have bias. And they admit that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the last prophet. They don't hide. They don't change. They don't interpret differently. They say it as it is. You may not see eye to eye with somebody, but to have that courage, that truthfulness inside you, to acknowledge what's right and what's wrong, and give credit where credit is due. Abdullah bin Salam radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Quran mentions him on many occasions. He was truthful. He was honest. He had the courage. In another ayah, now look at how Quran praises those people who don't have bias, even if they are not Muslim. Look at this, another example in the Quran. Allah says, There are some people from the Jews and the Christians. If you were to give a Jew or a Christian a whole treasure of gold, as a trust and then after some time you go back to collect it you he will give it back to you 100 percent without any pennies taken away quran this is quran allah is speaking and praising that particular element he's giving credit where credit is due if i don't disagree if i disagree with somebody we just write them off totally you know if you've been in a marriage it happens. Sometimes marriages do dissolve. May Allah keep our marriages intact. There was an incident not so long ago. Somebody was married. 20 years they were married for. 
And after 20 years, for whatever reason, it can happen. That's why it's there. Sometimes there's no compatibility anymore. Or you're just not seeing eye to eye. They had to dissolve the marriage. So when the scholar was invited to discuss in between, the man spoke up. And he said, look, before anything, I don't want you to get the wrong picture. Normally in these cases, everyone saying, no, it, you know, it's, his, it's her fault. She's saying it's his fault. It's none of our faults. He said it very clearly. 18 years we have been married. Uh, 20 years we have been married. He says, 18 years have been pure bliss. We had no problems. She has been the best mother to my children. She has been the, the best wife. And her family is the best family you can ever find. Just in the last two years, we've had some misunderstanding, some disagreement. This is why we're going ahead with this. Where will you find this today? When issues happen within us, no, no, I've nothing. They've not done anything for me. If you've been working at a place for so many years, and for whatever reason you have to leave or they tell you to go, you just dismiss them totally. We show our dishonesty. We lie. We don't have the courage to say, no, they were a very good company. I am where I am today because of them. But yes, we've had some disagreements. That's fine. Disagreements can happen. But the message is, don't be biased. If you give some of the Jews and the Christians, Quran is saying a whole treasure of gold, and then you go 100%, they will return to you. And وَمِنْهُمْ And there's some of them also, so this is the good and the bad. So some of them, you give them one dinar, if you were to give them one dinar and then you go back and say, where my dinar? He won't give it back to you until you stand on that person's head every day knocking on the door. My dinar, please. My dinar, please. Send a message. My dinar, please. And only then they'll end up giving it back to you. Otherwise, they won't give it back. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is acknowledging the good habits the good feature and giving credit even to those who are non-Muslims. Yes, it's a different story that that good habit of theirs will benefit them in the world. But because of the absence of Iman, it won't gain them entry into paradise. But that's a different issue. Give credit where credit is due. Let us stop being biased. Let us stop showing favoritism unnecessarily because this will not be beneficial for us. It will not be beneficial for our families. It will not be beneficial for our communities. And this is where we are losing. This is where we are going backwards. This is where we are missing out. We don't have the ability to be honest anymore. We don't have the courage. You need courage for this. You need courage to be able to speak the truth and say the right thing at the right time regardless of who it is and you don't look at this is my family or this is my people or this is my organ no whatever is right is right someone you don't agree with they have something good speak the good speak the truth say what's good point it out don't hide it don't conceal it don't shove it under the carpet just because it's not from your organization just because it's not your business someone's doing better than you you don't agree with them that's fine you don't see eye to eye that's fine but don't change the reality. Don't lie and conceal and don't be biased. This is the message of today. We find in the time of the Prophet wasallam, there was a dispute. And this is Islam, how pure and beautiful and clean. There was a dispute between a Munafiq and a Yahud. 
Munafiq and Yahud. So a hypocrite and a Jewish person. They had a dispute, argument. The reality was the Yahud was correct and the Munafiq wasn't. The irony of the discussion was that the Munafiq, the, the Yahud said, we've got a problem. Let's go to your Prophet Muhammad to sort it out. And again, this story has been referenced to in the Quran as well. The Munafiq said, no, let's go to your leader, the Jewish leader, Ka'ab bin Ashraf in Medina. He will decide. The Jewish person said, no, we'll go to your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they go to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam listened to both sides of the story. One person who is apparently a Muslim, the other person who is a Jewish person. So he's saying, I am not a Muslim. I am not, I'm a disbeliever. And this person is claiming to be a Muslim. If he was you and I, we'd be biased. We'd show favoritism. He's one of our people. We, no matter what, we have to look after him. The Prophet ﷺ listened to the case and he said, this case is in favor of the Yahud. The Yahud is correct and the apparent so-called Muslim, they didn't know openly, he was a Munafiq, he is incorrect. Of course, he wasn't happy with the decision of the Prophet ﷺ. Can you ever not be happy with the Prophet's decision? So he went now to Umar He said, let's go to Umar so they come to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and they put the case in front of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. As Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is listening to the case and is deciding which one, the Yahud says, by the way, just to let you know, we've been to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam already decided in my favor. Umar said, really? Wait here, wait here. He went inside, he bought his tool, and he finished this munafiq off. So Islam speaks the truth. You need courage. No bias. It doesn't matter. He was a non-Muslim, but the truth was in his favor. How can you, after the messengers of the Quran says that you can't be a Muslim, if the Prophet gives you an instruction, and then instead of going there, you want to go to somebody else for another instruction. You're not a Muslim anymore. So this is Islam and this is the truth. We conclude by mentioning a famous hadith we find in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari, which highlights this even further. We find that in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ tells us of an interesting incident that transpired with Sayyiduna Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sayyiduna Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu was entrusted with the wealth of zakat. And the Prophet ﷺ gave it to him, yeah, you look after this, okay? That night, when Sayyidina Abu Huraira was in his home, he heard some sounds. And when he went to look, he noticed the thief came into the house. This is in Bukhari. A thief came into the house and is stealing the wealth of zakat. So Sayyidina Abu Huraira, he intercepted him. He grabbed him and said, what are you doing? This is the wealth of zakat. You're stealing. You can't do this. So he started his sob story. He said, look, I'm very poor. My family are in need. I'm really desperate at the moment and I need whatever. And he gave this story. Sayyiduna Abu Huraira said, I had pity on him. So I let him go. He said, go. It's fine. Don't come again. Next morning, when I went to the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet wasallam said to me, Ma fa'ala asiru 
What happened with your prisoner last night? The thief that came to your house last night. What happened with him? And Sayyidina Abu Hurairah said, Well, this is what happened. He came and he was stealing and I told him not to steal. And he told me this story. And I let him go because I felt really sorry for him. The Prophet said that he lied to you and he's going to come back. He lied to you and he's going to come back. The next day Abu Huraira says that I was waiting for him this time. I was waiting for him because the Prophet of Allah said he's going to come back. So he will come back. And he came back at night time and he started to steal again. So I, I, I apprehended him and I told him, what are you doing? It's wrong. You can't steal. And he started his story once again. You know, my problem and my this and my that. And I've got issues here and issues with this. So he says, I felt sorry for him. I pitied him and I let him go. Next morning, the Prophet wasallam asked me, Ma What happened last night? And I said, you know, he came again and he told me this story and I believed it and I let him go. The Prophet wasallam said, he's a liar and he will come again. He lied and he's going to come again. So the third night, Abu Hurairah says that the thief comes again into the house to steal the money of zakat. This time he says, I intercepted him. And I thought I'm going to take him to the Prophet wasallam. And I told him, look, you've come once, you've come twice. Today I'm not going to let you go. Today I've got you and you re you're like a repeat offender. You're not going anywhere. So the thief said, look, let me go and I will teach you something. And these were the Sahaba. Any opportunity, any opportunity to earn Jannah, like we are any opportunity to make money. Okay, they were any opportunity, any opportunity to earn Jannah, they would do it. Any opportunity. And these were the pious people as well. Any opportunity to earn Jannah. Malik bin Dinar was a very pious individual. One night while he was performing Salah, Salatul Tahajjud, in the dead of the night, it's totally silent, it's dark. A thief broke into his house and he started looking around to steal something. Malik bin Dinar finished his salah and looked at the thief. The thief found nothing. He was a pious person, very simply, had nothing in his house. So Malik bin Dinar says to him, I think you've come to the wrong house. I'm so sorry, there's nothing for you to take. He's having mercy and pity on the thief. But since you're here anyway, why don't you take something with you? He says, okay, like what are you going to give me? He says, sit down, I'll give you something. So the thief sits down and he says, come with me. This is how you make wudu. So he taught him how to make wudu. So he made wudu. He says, right, stand here now. Allahu Akbar, stand here, follow me in salah. So he prayed salah and the thief prayed with him. And then the adhan of fajr happened. He says, come with me to the masjid. So they went to the masjid. After the salah, the people turned around and said, Malik bin Dinar, who's this? Who's this? This person doesn't look familiar. Okay, looks a bit dodgy. Who is he? And he says, well, it's a thief. He came to steal from me, but I stole from him. Or I stole him. So the pious people, they are looking for every opportunity to earn Jannah. Where we are looking for every opportunity to make a pound. So Sayyidina Abu Huraira, who the thief says to him, look, I'll teach you something. I'll give you some knowledge. And on that condition, let me go. Abu Huraira said, go ahead. What are you going to teach me? The thief says, when you come to your bed at night, recite Ayatul Kursi, Allahu la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum, all the way till the end. If you recite this Ayatul Kursi, then you will be protected 
all night and shaitan will not be able to attack you. Shaitan will not be able to attack you. You get two types of shaitan. One which runs away from ayatul kursi and the other one that is scared of losing the kursi. One that is scared of ayatul kursi He's scared of losing the, there was a person, he had his donkey in a village and he put a chair on top of the donkey. The chair is on top of the donkey. People said, well, what are you doing? Why is the chair on top of the donkey? He said, you'd rather have a chair on top of a donkey instead of having a donkey on top of the chair. Anyhow, so Malik bin Dinar rahmatullahi, this incident transpires. Sayyiduna Abu Huraira radiallahu says to him, go and teach me. The thief says, when you come to your bed, this is in Sahih al-Bukhari. When you come to your bed at night, recite Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum till the end once, and no shaitan will ever be able to attack you. And you'll be safe throughout the whole night. Abu Huraira is happy. He's learned something. The next morning, the Prophet asked the same question. What happened last night? Abu Huraira said, last night was strange. Last night was very strange. He came again. And this time I was convinced that I'm going to bring him to you. But then he said to me, I'm going to teach you something. So I listened to him. What did he teach you? He said, he taught me that at night time before going to bed, if I recite Ayatul Kursi, then I'll be protected for the whole night. Now, this is the point I want you to understand now, before we conclude. The Prophet said, Oh Abu Huraira, he spoke the truth, but he's a liar. He spoke the truth, but he is a liar. Can you see? This is Islam, it's pristine. And then the Prophet said, Abu Huraira, do you know who this thief has been that you've been talking to for the last three days? He said, Allahu wa Rasulullah, I don't know. Who was it? The Prophet said, that was Shaytan himself. That was Shaytan himself. The Prophet gave credit to Shaytan on this occasion by saying, Yes, he's a liar, but he didn't stop. Like, you know, we say, you know, this guy is a liar, he's a compulsive. Even if he speaks the truth, I don't believe him. This is how we behave. No, in Islam, there is no bias. You speak the truth. You are honest. You are clear. You say as it is. Doesn't matter who's in front of you. You say it as it is. The Prophet wasallam, even regarding the devil, he said, Abu Huraira, he spoke the truth, although he is a liar. He spoke the truth, although he is a liar. And this is a great lesson for you and I that we learn from now on to speak the truth because Islam only attracts. Islam is very attractive. The Prophet is very attractive. The Quran is attractive. It is you and I who have contaminated it and we distract from Islam. We serve our own interest. We don't serve Islam. Islam is non-biased. And that's how you and I need to be. Let's let go of the favoritism. Let's let go of prejudice. Let's let go of serving our own interests. And let us become people who have the courage. And you need a lot of courage to do this. To be able to speak the truth and only the truth.